Amen. Amen. I, I want to thank Brother, Brother Greg Wallace, too. He, he said, want me to bring my class up, and, and uh, we'll, we'll come together. And by that time, the Lord has done give me something, and I hope it's a blessing to you. It's already a blessing to me. Revelation chapter 4 is where we're going, but uh, we're going to get a verse or two out of, of chapter 1. And I want you to think with me about something to look forward to. Something to look forward to. How many of y'all believe Jesus is coming again? Say amen. Well, folks, that's something to look forward to, I'll tell you. And so you, you prayed for me a hopeful weeks and gleaned some things out of this fourth chapter of the book of the Revelation. And I'll just start with this, two words, and we'll come back to it for the text after this. And when you get to a place like that, when you get the word wherefore or therefore in the word of God, we want to stop and see why it's therefore. Y'all get that right? Or what it's there for, whatever the case may be. So when we come to a place like this, two words after this, we ought to just for a moment reflect back and see what come before that. So before I say a whole lot, what comes before this? What comes before chapter uh, 4? And I'll give you another question. What do you all think or what do you understand to be the key verse to the book of the Revelation? He is talking about the churches, the seven churches of Asia. They were legitimate churches. They were real churches, but they're also used in a, in a symbolic way or in a typological way to reference uh, and to represent the different phases of the church period from the inception or the, not the inception, for the... Uh, Maybe we'll call it the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2 to the revelation of, church, of the church in Revelation chapter 4. So they're, they're, they were real churches. The messages that were given to them were both practical and prophetical. So that's, that's a good answer. What's, what do you think maybe anyone is the, is the key verse of Revelation, the whole book? That's it. Let's turn over to the Revelation chapter 1 verse 19. Somebody's been doing some studying, have they not? It, uh, it, it, it always fascinates me to uh, try to find a key verse to a book. When we get down to verse 7 in the book of Romans, or 17, excuse me, that, I believe, is the key verse to the book of, of Romans because it talks about the righteousness of God being revealed from faith to faith. Now, it's mine. It may not be somebody else's, but it's mine. And oftentimes, God gives the... It, look, and I'm not asking y'all where, but does anybody have a key to their home hidden? Okay, some of you don't, some of you do. But uh, don't you put it close to the door that you're wanting to access when you hide it? You don't? Most people do, all right? Tim's an insurance man, so he's being educated. Mine's near the door, but I just about guarantee nobody in here would find it because it's not, everybody heard me say, no, it's not under the rug, okay? It's not over the top either. I mean, people, quote, hide their keys in strange places. Let me put it that way. Do what? It's obvious. That's a good word, Connie. So here in the book of the Revelation, we have the key verse to the Revelation. People are afraid of the book of Revelation. The word revelation means an unveiling. It means, look at verse 1 before we get to verse 19. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to shew unto his servants 
things which must shortly come to pass. It's something that God wanted us to know. It is an unveiling in the book of the Revelation. Actually, the book of Daniel is opened up because when Daniel wrote it, God told him to seal it. You, you, you seal this book, but it's open. It's revealed now. And this is God's revelation of his son that he give to us, his servants, to know. Here in verse 19 is the key verse. It breaks this book up in a chronological order. And the book of the Revelation is as orderly a book as any of us will ever read. It'll tell us when it's, it's presenting a picture that is a type or that is a figure or, or that is a symbol of something. It's, it's clearer than what most of us think. And why do y'all think it's put as the last book in this canon of Scripture? It does tie things up. Somebody else? Things that have to happen before he comes back. You need to get a good foundation of all the other 65 books before you can understand the 66th book. So God knows what he's doing. This is what he said. Write the things which thou hast seen. That's speaking of chapter 1 of the book of the Revelation where we find that John on the Lord's day was on the Isle of Patmos. He had been banished there for simply preaching the gospel. Isn't that something? History says, tradition says, that they had already tried to kill him once before by boiling him in oil, and that didn't work. So they banished him to this, to this island, Patmos. I have read that, that it wasn't the place where the Holiday Inns and the Wyomans go to build hotels. It was... It was filled with wild beasts and very, very much a wilderness. But it was in that place on the Lord's day that God gave him the revelation. So the things which thou hast seen is written, recorded in chapter 1. The things which are, are the things in chapters 2 and 3. They address the churches of uh, Ephesus down to the church of Laodicea. And again, those seven churches cover this age that we're in, this dispensation. We talked about in our Wednesday night Bible study, the dispensation of the church, the dispensation of grace. Those, those two terms or phrases are, are, are synonymous. They refer to the same period of time. And uh, when we look at the order of the seven churches, you can follow it through history. It's amazing how those churches, just like, for instance, the church of Philadelphia said, open a door that no man can close, and, and, and uh, uh, you know, because you've kept my word, I'll keep you. You can see where the King James Bible came into existence during the period of time that typifies or pictures the characteristics of the Philadelphia church age. It's amazing. And now we live in the Laodicean church age, the last one that precedes the second coming, of Christ. And in the Laodicean church age, you have a mix of Philadelphia and Laodicea. We've got an apostate church that is manifesting itself, and you've also got a true church. We belong to the part, we believe, because we're biblical as sound, to, to the church that, that is true and not, uh, uh, not part of that which is, is dealing with apostasy. And then look what he says. He said, and that which is to come. That which is to come covers chapter 4, verse 1, all the way to the end of the book of the Revelation. And I'm looking forward to when he says over there in Revelation what, 22 and 5, he said, behold, I make all things new. I'm looking forward to that. Debbie will finally have the husband she deserves. It's exactly right. I'm really looking forward to that. But look what he said after this. 
After these things, now, now folks, if you look at the, and we're not going to, if you look at the characteristics given here in the church of Laodicea, there are many, and they're applicable to this day, especially to what he said. He said, Thou sayest that thou art rich, and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. I don't know whether God really intended for the church to be in the realty business. Now, we had to buy a lot of land, but y'all know there are churches, friend, that, that I mean, they make a lot of money because they own a lot of houses and rentals. I mean, we could go on and on. I don't know if that's what God intended for the church to do. I doubt it, seriously, okay? Uh, but nonetheless, what I want to uh, give you a, a, a little insight in, and I've given you this definition before, is what does the word Laodicea mean? The church of the people. The church of the people's choice. Church ruled of the people. The church of the people. There's a lady that's been studying without a doubt. And how true that is. Now, he addresses seven churches, and he addresses the church of Laodicea in a different way than he did the other seven. He said, listen to how he addresses it in verse 14. He said in chapter 3, under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. He knew their character. He knew them. There's a great message in that. We're living in that day when people have transformed the church to where it's all about man and not about God. We're living in a time when preachers are, are um, promoters. And there's another motivators they, they motivate uh, people come in they say I'm a baby boomer and they say the baby boomer carrying enough weight and conviction they don't need to be told they're sinners and needing to be saved by grace they say they'll figure it out so we want to be positive can I look up here everybody look no pastor ought to smile all the time and I can tell you who I'm referring to if you want to know no pastor ought to smile. And, and look, if we preach the love of God in the gospel, we, we preach another gospel if we never preach the wrath of God. Okay? I'm, I'm just going to tell you. But he said, look, after this, here's something to look forward to. He said, after this, Jared, you got to get me a water. After this, he said, I beheld, and a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet, talking with me, which says, Come up hither. And look at what he said. And he said, I will show thee the things which must be hereafter. That goes back to verse 19 of chapter 1. And he said, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. You know what I want to say about that glory? Hallelujah. Now, here's what I believe. Some people would disagree with me, but not many. The folks that I read after and study after, and even, even the men that I know. John here at this point in time is a picture of the church. That's how it's going to happen. If you read through the Word of God, and I don't have time to search for them or try to give it, but, but you can go back. I know this one. Where was Jesus baptized in Matthew 3 or 4? Chapter 4? Whichever. You can go back there and, and you can see when John baptized him in Jordan, when he come up out of the water, the heavens open. The heavens open. Anytime that the Word of God speaks about heaven referring to Jesus, the heaven opens. But I think this is remarkable when it's talking about the church, a door was opened in heaven. By the way, who's that door? Jesus is that door. 
He said, a door was opened in heaven, and I heard a voice, and I heard a trumpet. Anybody know where we've heard that before in, in the scriptures? Over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Let's go there really, really, really quick. Just to refresh your mind about things I know you already know. But these are the kind of things that strengthen our faith. And these are the kind of things that rightly dividing the Word of God bring to us. That's how we can know what the Word of God is saying. Because Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 2, I believe it is, that we're to compare Scripture with Scripture. He said this, listen to what he said in verse chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. And I'm going to pick it up in, in verse, in verse five, 15. He said, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that's his, that's his authority, that we which are alive and remain. And it's remarkable, every generation should have been up to this point looking for the second coming of Christ. You all realize that? Every generation of, of, of the church it was possible that Jesus could come at any moment. Do you all know that the return of Christ is imminent? You remember when I preached that message, Roy, and you went home and looked the word up in a dictionary? You remember that? And I'm glad that he did. This was, this was pre-salvation for him. This was before he was born again, if I remember correctly. Am I remembering correctly? I think so, too. And he went home and checked the preacher out. I'm right. That means it's hanging over your head. And a coal miner would understand that completely. In other words, it could fall or happen any time. Nothing has to happen to keep Jesus from coming back prophetically. Nothing has to be fulfilled other than that last individual that will kneel before him under the conviction of the weight of sin and say, I repent, and by faith I receive you as myself, my Savior. And then the church is going to be gone. He said, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them that are asleep, those who have died. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, shall be harpazoed shall be snatched away. Remember John said immediately, I was in the Spirit, and, and he said, all of a sudden, I wasn't on planet Earth, I was standing before a throne. And I believe, I believe he went there. He said, together with them, and called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Back over Revelation chapter 4. And he said, come up hither. We're going to hear a trumpet, we're going to hear the sound of of the shepherd calling his sheep. Have you ever wondered what that would sound like? You ever wonder what his voice sounds like? Somebody said, how you, how you, how you going to know it's him? And I tell people, so look, when you hear his voice, you'll know it. You'll, I mean, you'll, you'll know it. You know how I know that? Jesus said, listen, my sheep know my voice. Now, I want to ask you another question. Not audibly, I'm not talking about that, but how many of you all have heard the voice of God speaking to you through the Spirit, through the Word of God, leading you, guiding you, coming to you in the night, the wee hours of the morning, through the day, whenever it may be in your studies, in, 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 in church when God said, you know, are you getting this? Are you hearing this? Or, hey, let me show you something. It's amazing. We know when the Spirit of God is dealing with us, speaking with us. And I like this. He said, immediately I was in the Spirit. 
Now, I don't know where heaven is, except that it's up. But if I'm on this side of the world, up's that way, and if I'm on the other side, up's that way. I've wondered sometimes, y'all going to think I'm crazy, Wendell? Where's it at? Where Jesus is? Yeah. But I've wondered if there's different, you know, levels. You know what I'm saying? I have no idea. Dimensions, you might say. Well, one of these days, I'm going there. Paul went. Paul went. He was taken to the third heaven. Why the third heaven? Anybody real quick? Okay, what's the first one? That's our atmosphere. What's the second one? The galaxy, the planet, the stars. What's the third one? Wendell, now's your time. Hold it. She, she's been on point all the rest. Now it's your time. Thank you, where Jesus is. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Where that's at, I don't know, but the Lord does. Me touch where I was going next. Immediately, Rainy. And we're going to cover a distance. I, I wish, and, and I've read that, does anybody know how long it would take for somebody to travel across now what they know to be the length of the universe as we know it now. And y'all know the universe is still expanding. That's why the Word of God, one of the reasons the Word of God says they'll never be able to measure it and figure it out. You know, they, they measure it in light years. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, if you take off traveling now, you'll not get there before you die, I'll put it that way. Take a whole lot of lifetimes. I mean, light years, they call it. And light years is, well, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but I know it has to do with how fast the speed of light goes. So, yeah. But it's going to happen quick. I believe Paul said, 1 Corinthians 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And somebody said that Westinghouse, y'all remember Westinghouse? I don't even know if it's still in business or not. Figured out that that's one one hundredth of a second. Y'all know what that is? That's pretty quick. That's exactly what that is. He said, uh, and I was in the spirit. Boy, I like that. Is there... Uh, now, Y'all don't have to confess, but is there any time while you're in this flesh, in this body, in this world, you're not, quote, in the Spirit? Well, let me rephrase that in the right one. <laughs> Man, I, I'm guilty of that. Won't it be wonderful one of these days to be fueled by the Spirit, to always be in the Spirit, not to have a bad day, not to get up on the wrong side of the cross? They say the wrong side of the bed, but it's actually the wrong side of the cross. And I like this. He said, Behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Daniel, when he was teaching, referred to him as the Ancient of Days. We see him described, actually, in chapter 1 of the book of the Revelation. When you say, well, that was God and Jesus was, was there, the one described. Well, when you see one, you see the other, as far as I'm concerned. I'm not going to parse them. I, I can't. But I know Jesus sitting on the right hand of the throne of God. And if I could remember, and I can't, if you look at the stones that are described here, one that sat, and, the, and he, that was, he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, you'll know that in the Old Testament, if you read where those are introduced, they're introduced in a different order. They typify certain things, the, the colors of them. And one of the things that I know that this is talking about on this side of the cross on this side of what Jesus has done we're looking back and on the other side in the Old Testament of the cross they're looking forward and one of these show and typifies I believe I believe if I'm remembering correct that Jasper stone would speak maybe of the redemption 
that Christ is free. You know the Word of God is so amazing. I wish I could pull more out of my memory on that, but I can't. And he said in round about the throne, he said, there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like an emerald. I'm just going to say one thing about the rainbow. Whoever had the bright idea to make it be an emblem of, of uh, the LBGTQPUWZAB or whatever it is now, okay, the A+, plus, they're in trouble when they get to heaven. I'd hate to be that individual. And I, I mean that with, with empathy in my heart. They did it thinking, man, this, you know, we're going to be inclusive. It's a perfect thing. All those colors of a rainbow, it's beautiful. I mean, they were excited about it. But listen, friend, I'll just tell you, it's a dangerous thing to deal with a living God. I mean, I mean. And you take something holy like that and apply it to something that's perverted, man, listen. I honestly, I, I, I tremble for that individual. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be around when they're standing there before God at the white throne saying, well, here's what I was thinking. Gee, man. And look, it keeps getting better. See, John was represented of the church there, I believe. But when he gets there, guess who he sees? He sees the church. Do you all know that you're in the Bible and we're here in the Bible? You ever think about that? This is what he said. He said, round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment and on their heads crowns of gold. Y'all know who that is? That's me and you. Y'all don't seem to be convinced or excited or either. Y'all agree with me? Anybody? A lot of people do. Apostles. Yep, a lot of people take that. And you can too if you want to be wrong. <laughs> no, listen, I mean, honestly, I, 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 when I say that, I always say it tongue-in-cheek. I think you all know that, but I love to say it. A lot of people hold it to be the 12 apostles and represent the 12 tribes of Israel. But I've got some Bible to back up what I'm saying, so I'm, I'm going to give it to you now. Um, in, in, let's try to figure out where to go. Let's go over to Revelation 19 really quick, and then I'll back up and give you some more things. Lordy mercy, time's about gone. Chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. Chapter 19, we see the church again for the first time since chapter, since chapter 5. And it's not on planet Earth uh, after chapter 4 begins. Okay? It's in heaven. It's in, it's in heaven. It's, it's at the beam of seat of Christ. It's, it's in a place of preparation uh, for, the, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And look at me, if you will, or look with me, if you will, in chapter 19. You all know what's happening here in the beginning of it. It's talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, look here in verse 7. This is when, it, look, it's, it, it, we've got something to look forward to, all right? It's, it's getting better all the time. We were on planet Earth, immediately we're in heaven. Before long, we're sitting around the throne with crowns of gold on our head. Are you with me? Who, who, who in the Old Testament besides a king received crowns in Israel? Nobody. Nobody. But I can show you in the Word of God, I can't give you all the Scripture references this morning, I know a couple of them, I can't give you the other five, that there are five crowns that you and I can get. Y'all do know that, don't you? So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I, I just don't have time to get them on. Look here, he said, let us be glad in verse 7 of 
Revelation 19 and rejoice. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. To her was granted that she should be arrayed. Now watch this. In fine linen, clean and white, for the linen is the righteousness of the saints. Isn't that pretty? Back over in Revelation now, chapter 4, read it again. And I saw four and twenty elders clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. There are five different crowns that are available to be won. Now, the reason I won at least one is so I can have something to lay at the feet of Jesus. Because you go on down in this chapter, we're, we're gathered around his throne, and before... Before long, when we begin to praise Him for the creation, the fact that He's a creator in chapter 4, the fact that He's a redeemer in chapter 5, they're going to, the, the four and the twenty beasts are going to fall down before Him. The four, and the, the four beasts are going to fall down before Him. The four and the twenty beasts are going to fall down before Him. And those four and twenty are going to lay their crowns. Follow me? So there's a soul winner's crown. There's a pastor's crown. There's a crown of righteousness which fadeth not away. Uh, there's a crown uh, for those that are looking for the Lord. Like Paul said, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And there's another crown. I can't remember what it was. Uh, can't remember what it, it just slips in this. Somebody knows it. You know, you, you can shout it out. So anyway, I believe with all of my heart, it's representative of the church here. Not, not necessarily just the 12 apostles. And the number 12 is important throughout the book of the Revelation. Throughout the book of the Revelation. But it, it, it's inclusive of the church. That's who I believe it is without a heart, without a, without a doubt. And another reason, the most important, who is snatched away at the rapture? What group of people? It's exclusive. Only one group's going up at this time. Who is it? The church. The church. The, 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 the Jew will not be raptured until at the end of the tribulation. That'll end the, that'll end the first resurrection when they and the tribulation saints will go. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest argument that I hold to, that, you know, there's nobody in the Old Testament here. Is that good? All right. Pardon me? Victors, yes, sir. Yeah, thank you. The victor's crown. Yep, that's good. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. And he goes on to say in verse 5, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings, and thunderings and voices. What do y'all think that's referring to? What, what do you think's going? What do you think this is trying to tell us? They are. We'll get to that in a minute. But the thunders and lightnings aren't exactly that. But I like it. We're, hey, we're gonna we're gonna shout up a storm though, Sharon. I guarantee you that. Anybody? What what's this, what what are thunder and lightnings indicating? There's a storm coming. That's what it's talking about. Yeah, judgment. He's going to judge. And it's, it's going to be in those seven seals that are started to be opened in chapter 6. Or is it chapter 8 maybe? The seven, uh, the seven trumpets begin to sound. I can't remember where the, the, the wrath, the bowls of his wrath are poured out. It's, it, there's a storm coming. And it's, it's a storm of judgment. Um. And he said, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, don't, don't think that the, there are seven spirits of God. The number seven represents what? Completeness. And he said, listen, the Holy Spirit is there 
in His completeness. Now the thing about it is, He's here in His completeness as well. Remember, God is omnipresent, meaning that this blows me away. That God is present everywhere in His universe. Now, if I stop right there, we, we, we've got a concept of that, right? We can think, well, you know, God's so big that, you know, listen. He is present everywhere in His universe in all of His completeness without the loss or lack of any part of it. He is just as complete here as He is, like I said, on the other side of the earth. That amazes me. That amazes me. He is as present completely everywhere at the same moment of time as He is anywhere. I don't understand that, but I thank God for it. He, he said, and before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. I wish I knew more about that. Anybody got some insight on that? Something you want to say rather quick? I know there's a crystal river of water that flows out from His throne. We'll see that in chapter 21. And He said, Around about the throne were four beasts full of eyes. And the four beasts were like a lion. The second beast like a calf. The third beast had the face of a man. The fourth beast was like a flying eagle. Why do you think they're described that way? Somebody tell me the names of the four Gospels or the four books that introduce the New Testament and tell us the order in which we find them in the Bible. I know that, but give me, give me what I want and I'll get to that in a minute. No, 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 tell me the four books and the order they come in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, now, now we'll talk about what they look like. Look, there's no accidents in the Bible. Look, look, look at the order of these. First beast was like a lion. Who did Matthew write about in his gospel to the Jews? How did he picture or present Christ to them? The king, which is a lion because he is the king of the beast. Um, the lion of the tribe of Jesus, exactly. Now, we could go deeper in that, but we're just, we're just gleaning this morning. The second beast is likened to a what? All right, what's the second gospel in order? Mark. Okay, and Mark writes to whom? Come on, y'all got it? The Roman world. And he was presenting Jesus as a servant, a calf. Y'all don't tell me, y'all, I mean, y'all know that, that, we also seem pictured in that gospel like an oxen. You know, a beast of burden is the idea. They tell me that an oxen trying to pull a load will get down on its knees and pull so hard that it heart will bust. Isn't that beautiful when you begin to think about it and apply it to Christ dying on Calvary? In the book of Mark, does anybody know the key word? Y'all know it. It just may not be coming to memory. Help me out. Immediately. Straightway. It just bam, bam, bam. Action. Jesus speaks less in the book of Mark, if I remember correctly, than any other of the three Gospels uh, that we find. It's, it's beautiful. You, you see what I'm doing? This is God's book. If man had been written this, man had just put this together, thrown it together, it wouldn't have been Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It wouldn't have been here, the lion, the calf, the man, and the eagle. It's hard to tell what the... Y'all see God in this? Please say yes. 
Man, I'm t- see, this kind of stuff just lights me up. It just, it just amazes me. He said, and the third beast had the face of a man. What about Luke? He was presenting the perfect man. Who did he write to? The intelligent world, the Greeks. He had the Greeks in mind. And then, and then John. Who did he write to? Everybody. And how did he present Jesus? In, in meaning in what? Now see, the eagle's the king of the foul, foul world. Well, he, he for, for a lot of reasons, I wish I could think of two or three right now, I'd give them to you, but... I mean, he's a picture of it in a lot of ways, but he presented to us Jesus, the man. It's pretty amazing, the son of man. Pretty, pretty amazing. Well, there's a lot more in here left. He said the four beasts each had six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is, which was, and which is to come. Let me say, share this with you, and then I'll quit. I don't know where I got this. I don't know have any idea but it's enough that I wrote it down the margin of my Bible where I wouldn't forget it I forget many things I wish I could remember but these these beasts they were strange beasts I believe if you look in, in Isaiah chapter 6 you'll see the seraphims that Isaiah saw in the year that King Uzziah died and they had six wings uh, they, they with with two they flew and with two they covered their feet and with two they covered their eyes but these these are described as being like Christ. Listen to this, this is pretty. They were so much like Christ, and so they were so much with Christ that they became so much like Christ. That's what I want. I'd like to reflect Him, wouldn't you? I'd like to be transformed, and that's what the church ought to be. We ought to be transformed. In fact, that's God's design and desire for us. We're going to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. Hey, we've got something to look forward to. Questions, comments? All righty, keep praying. Well, it's okay. Ask it. We got a few minutes. Anybody can go to the restroom. People can come in if they choose. What What was the What was the significance of the curtains? At the bowls. B o w a o s. Like in like in Leviticus around the temple, gosh, that's that's a good question. If if I mean, there's a lot of practically they they just did what they were made to do. They, the bowls were used to carry things to put things in. You know what I'm saying? The different uh, things were involved with with temple service, with their sacrifice, with the priests, and the curtains just either covered or separated. But they're a picture of a lot of things. If you read those curtains, the five covers, curtains that covered the tabernacles, are those the ones you're talking about? The first one was made out of blue uh, linen, and it had, it had cherubims uh, embroidered in it. And the people on the outside looking in at the tabernacle, they could see that old skin, dolphin skin, that old dull gray skin. It, it didn't look like much. It may have been badger skin. That's what somebody said. I believe the Bible uses the word dolphin. But, but they couldn't see on the inside that first cover, and there was five of them. They were joined together, three and two. And, and, and they couldn't see what the priests that got to go in there and do their service and, and worship and offer sacrifice, 
they, 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 on the outside, they just saw something that had no beauty to it. I'm thinking like, thinking like, well, what goes on in there? There's no big deal. Well, when you walked inside and you saw those walls that, that were made of shittim wood or shittim wood or acacia wood, and they had gold on them and reflecting those flames on that lamp, and you begin to look up and you see the blue that puts you in mind of heaven. What colors the sky? And, and, and those angels, those strange cherubims in there, so, so simply, they were used as coverings. Other than that, they typified or pictured certain things connected with Jesus Christ and what he did to redeem us. So, great question, but not easy to answer. Well, that's what I say, they divided. Some curtains covered, two of them divided. Some of them, one of them, two of them are used as a door to enter into the holy place. The other ones uh, to enter into the holiest of holies. So, well, hope something was a blessing. Y'all get Greg back next week, Lord willing. Thank you, Jerry.